0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Idle Chatter. I'm your host, Ray Bohax, the Hot Rod Farmer from Hackettstown, New Jersey. And I'm hoping that everyone had a blessed Easter and uh, that you took time to remember the sacrifice of our Savior on the cross to wash away our sins. And, um, you know, I guess one of the qualifiers in the world today, sadly, is that if society makes a big deal out of something... Then we know that it really is not a big deal in God's eyes. And if they basically ignore it or mock it or you know, just whatever with it, then we know that's a big deal in the eyes of the Lord. And uh, society today really does not honor the death and resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ, but they honor everything else. So uh, I guess that's the metric that I use, right? It's that if the um uh, if the mainstream people don't honor it then it's something that god needs for us to honor and wants for us to honor and i then that i want to honor so hopefully things are going well for you and uh in your life and in your operation and getting ready to plant and we are um uh, I'm, I'm got my soil sample back the other day from midwest labs and i was pleasantly surprised that. the uh, Everything, <clears throat> everything looks pretty good. Excuse me, as far as I could tell. What do I know? But then I send it over to um, my agronomist, Ben Hushin, in the, uh, on the bill in the mill. That was because to say a bill, <laughs> the mill down in Maryland. I think it's Bel Air, Maryland. They have three or four or five locations down there, so I always get them confused. I just know which one I go to, but I don't know what the physical town is. I know how to get there i take i-81 to i-83 and i get off at state line road in maryland which you would tend to think would be right in the line of pennsylvania not the second second exit in and um, i get off there and i make a right and i go to the end of the road and make a right and they're about a quarter of a mile on the left so that's all i need that's all i need to know but my organic matter is uh, looking pretty good and well for our farm or what a lot of other people have them um, just about 2.7 percent uh, organic matter on both fields and when i started this journey about 12 my dad is gone 12 years now so it's uh i started this journey to uh, build up our soil health it was 12 years ago when he died and we were in the ones like maybe 1.8 1.9 so we were very very low so we're high twos now so just about one point of organic matter but as i always say is that the uh, soil test does not tell everything just like when you're working on engines the numbers don't tell everything and the um, my the tilt of my soil the earthworms i mean we had no earthworms before they were like non-existent on this place from us always moldboard plowing it uh the the sponginess of the soil we have earthworm earthworm middens all over the place the my the biological activity in the soil. I, um I once a few years back, I did a Slovista test with my soil test, and I was going to do it again this year, but I, I really didn't want to spend the extra money because everything else is so high. Not that you know, you spend an extra hundred dollars, it's not going to make a difference. It's more psychological. You say, oh, I'm spending more money for this and more money for this. As a matter of fact, this is the first time in the history of our house here on the farm that I did a partial fill on my heating oil tank. So I always, since the house was built, I always fill up the tank, fill up the tank. Every time the guy comes and I call him, it's a fill. And at almost $5 a gallon, and it being April, they said, eh, ah, I'm not going to put you know $1,200 into the tank right now. So I did 150 gallons, which is the first time in the history of my house that I ever did that. So I just I felt the same way with the soil test. I said, ah, you know the, the fertility is so high, everything is so high, the fuel is so high, the seed is high. and then I just wanted to save a little bit of money. And um, which was probably foolish on my part, but I'll do a Slovista next time. I did my full soil test, but I just some every once in a while I'll do the Slovista soil health on top of it. But to be quite honest with you, I really don't know what I'm looking at with it anyway. So that was one of the other things. I said I'm going to spend this extra money, and I'm not going to even know what it means. So that is that. But what I have to do is we. I have. To, I don't believe that I that anyone gave me a pin in my map this week, and i'm not complaining by no means but it's just been a uh, a hectic week here with the animals and sadly well i am recording this this saturday before easter sunday so it'll drop on wednesday and people tell you if you listen to these don't do that don't tell people that right well i don't care so you're my family and uh i, I tell you everything and uh as of right now our beloved cat, Donald, has not yet returned. So I'm I'm praying for an Easter miracle, but we are, we're not giving up hope. We're not giving up faith. And we believe that we will pray Donald back home safely to our farm where he may lead a long and wonderful life and die of natural causes many, many, many years from now, God willing. So, uh, But with that and with feeding the kittens uh, four to five times a day, And that's getting a bit of a challenge because now that their eyes are open they want to do their own thing so god willing in another week or so they'll be able to eat by themselves and that'll take a lot of um, stress de-stress the situation so god willing not this idle chatter but the next one god willing donald is back home safely the kittens are eating by themselves everybody's running around causing havoc in the house here with the kittens that the donald and alley and the kittens are running around and then life will be very very blessed here on the bohacks farm so i i believe i did not get any pins in my map but if you sent me a pin this week and i didn't acknowledge it please forgive me and i will make sure that i do do that but i did pull two winners for the hot rod farmer license plates and one is mike pearson from virginia and if i remember correctly he is a truck driver for walmart and he listens i believe to the radio show on sirius xm and then there is albert and he's so mike is from virginia and then there's al mr albert radloff r-a-d-l-o-f-f and he is an agronomist and i believe that he's actually uh overseas right now i believe that he contacted me and he was going to some place in africa but he's he hails from minnesota so if you uh hear this albert please send me an email and i'll send that hot rod farmer license plate to minnesota and i'll be waiting for you god willing when you come home safely from your work in africa where i believe that you're think he's in tanzania but i may be wrong so uh so that's so. Congratulations, gentlemen. And next week we'll hopefully have uh, two more winners. But what I want to also get well, what I want to <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, that's I, I want to give a shout out to Jason, Jason from Long Island, because uh, not only did he offer me his best wishes for uh, for Donald to return safely. But he told me, though he told me that my new clear my throat, which I call it like a cough button. But I'm not really coughing; it's my throat gets congested. And remember, I was gonna do, I'm, I was gonna do this. I'm doing this with the, with the top fuel drag stuff. So, so he said he liked it, but he could still hear me clearing my throat. Well, he could hear me clearing my throat because I didn't kill the mic so uh, <clears throat> excuse me so that is my fault so i'm still gonna so unless i get some complaints from you when my throat starts to get real raspy and all the things are going on with it i will hit that i will hit that top fueler idling and then i will kill a mic and clear my throat and hopefully remember to put the mic back on so it's a little bit um it's a little bit diff. i don't want to say it's difficult because then it sounds like i'm a i'm a complainer um, but uh when you're running the soundboard and trying to do the show, it comes a little bit, uh, sometimes you forget something, which I've been known to do. So we will go from there. But thank you very much, Jason, from, I think, East Islip, Long Island. He won a Hot Rod Farmer Lice Play. Not because he told me about that, <clears throat> but when he sent me his address, he told me about it. So the same thing. Please let me know whether, if you guys are cool with that Top Fuel Dragster of me to clear my throat or cough and not have to have it in your ear. Mm. Well, I'm, well, I think I'm going to do it right now, so let's try it. All right, did that work? Well, maybe it worked, we don't know, right? I guess when I listen to the show, I'll find out. But what I'm going to talk about today, and hopefully you'll find it useful, and uh, is you know the people yeah you know, well i shouldn't say the people it's not polite i don't mean it that way oftentimes in life and i'm i probably more guilty of it than anyone else is that we use the wrong terms we use either the wrong name or we use the wrong terms or sometimes we use a generic name and i've told you the story many times before when i was a young man and i worked in a buick dealer out in long island is that there was a mechanic there and he uh And he went to the parts department and said that he wants a coolant switch. And it was for a LeSabre, V6 LeSabre, uh, with a check engine light on for a Code 15, which was a coolant sensor. And Billy got a coolant switch, and he put a coolant switch in there, and the coolant switch is for the idiot light. And he cleared the code and sent the car out, and the car came back a little uh, not the next day a week or two later I remember it was a school teacher who had the car little did i know i was going to end up marrying a school teacher and the check engine light was on and they gave it to me to fix <clears throat> and i saw the new coolant and switch and i said to, went over to billy and and i said to him billy how come you didn't fix this car said, it needed a cooling sensor. He said, I put a cool and switch in it. I said, you put a cool switch in it, not a cool sensor. It needed a cooling sensor. So he still didn't grasp that. And uh, he, he, I, I guess we, he had a love-hate relationship with me, and I've said this before, is that he used to call me the college, uh, well, not a nice word, With it starts with a P and ends with a K, and uh so he used to call me. The, he used to call me that because I was going to college. So I wanted to do something Well, I shouldn't say I wanted to do something with my life, because that kind of implies that working as a mechanic in a Buick dealership is doing nothing with your life. And I don't mean that whatsoever. But I wanted to. I wanted to, you know, study engineering. And there was nothing wrong with working as a mechanic. So he used to call me to college. P. R. You, you fill out the rest of the words. And then when he had a problem with a car, of course, Billy was a, was a was a line mechanic. Billy couldn't diagnose a flat tire. But the, he could do a brake job in 15 minutes, and he could do whatever. So and that's how he made his money on a flat-rate job. And uh, he'd come over to me, and he'd put his arm around me. And he'd go, sweetheart, sweetheart. I was a young kid. I was like just 20 years old. And he was probably 40, 45 at that time, maybe closer to 50 probably in the late 40s and uh you know sweetheart sweetheart i said, he said billy what's the matter i'm not the college p r uh today he said you got a check engine light you got a drivability problem so i always used to go over to help him and uh <clears throat> sadly and it did humble him because he was a more than a jackass in plain and simple english not just to me to a lot of people and uh in the shop there and what happened was his son got, went into the Navy, and he was down, he was in the Navy, and he went. And came out of uh, basic training up there in uh, uh, Waukegan, Illinois, and then he was stationed down in Florida, someplace by Disneyland. And uh, I, a young man who worked for me, Danny Williams, went into the Navy, and he was stationed down there in Orlando area. I don't think it's really Orlando, but someplace down there. <clears throat> excuse me i didn't use my button and then what happened was that they one of the guys in the base had a new at the time a zuzu pickup truck uh, and back then down in florida you could ride in the back of the bed of a pickup truck that was not illegal and a bunch of guys wanted to go into town from the base and they uh it only had two seats in the front and then they had two or three guys in the bed of the pickup truck and billy's son was was uh one of the guys that were in the bed of the pickup truck and then ultimately what happened is that they someone ran a stop sign i don't know it was a pretty major road but it was in a rural area and it was a stop sign and i don't know whether the sailors ran the stop sign or another car ran the stop sign that was perpendicular to them and hit the zuzu right right in the bed of the truck and T-boned it and Billy's son and two of the other i think the i think there was two or three in the back i don't remember maybe two maybe it was four guys all together and the two of them went flying out of the bed of the pickup truck and it just so happened that there was a fire hydrant there and Billy's son, he was young. He wasn't that much. He was probably close to my age, or maybe a year or two younger. So uh, he, uh, his head hit the fire hydrant, and he died instantaneously. And uh, it was a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. And his, uh, I remember going to the to the to the wake for that, and it was very, very, very sad. And that changed Billy, and rightfully so. After that, he was no longer. The jerk that he was but he went down to florida and he wanted to see where his son got killed and i think if i remember correctly i think it was like 17 miles it was a great distance and it was not another fire hydrant it was many many it wasn't 20 miles it was by something about 17 sticks into my mind and that really really changed him and rightfully so but anyway so I don't even know why I told you that story. I guess about Billy Biscardi with the, his name was Billy Biscardi uh, with the uh, switch. And he was out in Long Island because the dealership I worked at was out in Long Island. So anyway, you know, what I wanted, so I started to talk about and I got myself off track, I apologize with this stuff going on with donald i'm really not myself so please forgive me and if you have animals in your life that you love you could certainly understand that and if you don't have animals in life or have that passion for animals then you probably won't understand what uh, you won't understand it that's plain and simple doesn't make you a bad person you just won't understand it so anyway we the industry uses the term misfire very very loosely so if an engine is running or if you go over by the tailpipe and we so we identify everything when it's not running smoothly as a misfire but just like billy did with that coolant switch and the coolant sensor that leads us astray because most people and professional mechanics also don't realize what the actual definition of the term misfire is and so i will give that i will give that to you so the term misfire is when the and this is on a gasoline engine and we'll talk about it on in a different sense on a diesel engine but on the gasoline engine and why i'm saying gasoline because it's spark ignition because it has a spark plug it's not auto ignition like a diesel which is compression ignition is that the term misfire describes when the electricity does not jump the gap of the spark plug and create an arc but instead goes to ground and remember electricity is is lazy it's going to take the path of least resistance so if it's easier for it to go to ground because the spark plug is cracked or the spark plug is wet with oil or it's fouled with gasoline then it's going to go to ground instead of jumping the gap of the spark plug so that is the technical definition of a misfire so when there is a misfire there is actually no combustion taking place in the cylinder so arguably let's say you have a wire a secondary wire plus spark plug wire we call them the official name is secondary versus primary primary being the low voltage side of the ignition coil and the secondary being the high voltage side, so you have a spark plug wire that burned through on a header on an exhaust manifold or rubbed through, and what's happening is the electricity when that when that cylinder is supposed to fire, that electricity is going right to ground. So what? So what? So that spark plug has no, there's no arcing whatsoever. So at that particular point, there'll be no combustion in that cylinder at all. Now, you have to understand how an ignition system works. So I will give you a brief overview of it. An ignition coil is like a bank account, like a checking account. You could only take out what you put in. So when the coil is being charged and with on a breaker point system, old breaker point system, that's when the points, ignition points were closed and the voltage, the charging circuit voltage was being fed to the coil and filling it up like you're making a deposit in the bank account. And then as soon as the breaker points opened... When they, start to ru- when they started to go onto the, the distributor cam, the cam in the distributor, and they would break open, that's what they would break that circuit, right, it's called breaker points, is that that's when the coil, would what they would say collapse and would discharge and would fire the spark plug. So the spark plug fired as soon as the points broke open. On an electronic ignition system, it's the same thing, but there's no breaker points. So there was a dwell period, just like there was on points, there was a dwell period but the the it's called module on module off so when the module is on then what's happening is it's being it's charging the coil as soon as the module shuts off would be akin to the breaker points cracking open and the and the spark plug would fire so on a so on a misfire that means that you are having that the electricity is not jumping the gap of the spark plug now, what, what happens, though, is that you could have what is called a partial misfire. And what is a partial misfire is that it's a misfire. It, the spark plug starts to arc, but it requires too much energy to arc the spark plug, and then it takes a path of least resistance and goes someplace else, and the spark plug extinguishes. So we really don't use the term partial misfire. But the term, so to back up and not confuse you and put closure that a misfire. So if you say my engine is misfiring, that means that the that the spark plug is not arcing for whatever reason, and that electricity is taking the path of least resistance and bypassing the spark the arcing of the spark could be going down the side of the spark plug but not going between the center and the side electrode and creating that what's called an ionization window for it to ignite the air fuel ratio so that is a true misfire anytime that you hear an engine running and you don't have that phenomena occurring where we're not arcing the spark plug it's actually called an incomplete combustion event so the thing is that well you're not going to go around going hey joe it sounds like your car's got an incomplete combustion event right i mean that's nobody's going to say that you say hey joe your car's missing or misfire, usually people say, "Why is my car missing?" Well Nobody say, "Why? Why do I have an incomplete combustion event?" right? You say like a point dexter, but really, But it's important for you to understand that because if you want to diagnose it, then an incomplete combustion event can be caused by a whole multitude of things where a true misfire is happening why the electricity is not jumping the gap of the spark plug. So, and that's why I wanted to bring this story to you about Billy, maybe not about his son passing away, but about Billy, about the switch, the sensor, and the true definition of a misfire. So now if you have a multi-cylinder engine, and if it's having a true misfire, it's going to have, so you hear pop, pop, pop at the exhaust. And if you were driving the vehicle, and you were going down the road it would shudder it would jerk it would jerk when that zone was supposed to fire now what basically has happened is that over the years if you turn the clock back for more than 40 years because 40 years is not that long ago it's 1982 which is frightening and actually i think 84 was when billy's when i was worked in the dealership and billy's son got got killed um because yeah, I, I had just gotten my first new car, Buick Skyhawk, and I took it to the wake. I remember doing that. So anyway, uh, you go back fifty years—I'd say forty years—when we, when, when v- vehicles had a three-speed automatic transmission and a non-lockup converter, and you say, "What the heck does this have to do with a misfire?" Well, what it has to do with a misfire is that when, we, when the, the industry went to a four-speed automatic or five-speed back then four-speed, meaning that the fourth gear was an overdrive, so it was less than one-to-one, one, whereas third gear was a one-to-one one ratio and they put a lock-up torque converter in there, meaning that there was no slippage in the torque converter whatsoever, it would have a clutch in there that would engage, so, so at a certain point there was no hydraulic slippage in the converter, is that that would really load the engine. <clears throat> and, to, and to multiply that, historically they had a very low numerical axle ratio. So, you put this all together and you have your pickup truck, and it's got a lockup converter. It's got an overdrive automatic, even 2022. All right, lockup converter, overdrive automatic. So, whether it's at four speeds, six speeds, eight speeds now. And then <clears throat> what happens is that you are really loading the ignition system. So, when it's in high gear lockup, you're really loading the ignition system. And when a when you would have a true misfire, the vehicle would actually would jerk. So it would idle fine, and it would and it actually would jerk, and it would go like that every time that cylinder was supposed to fire. Because what would happen is that under those dynamics of the the overdrive transmission, the very little torque multiplication from the transmission, the lockup converter, and then the low numerical axle ratio is that the engine would be on the verge of being lugged so the cylinder pressure and the amount of ignition demand would go very high and if the and remember electricity is lazy so if you had let's say a weak spark plug wire or you had some carbon on the spark plug it's going to say hey i'm not going this way it wants too much to jump that gap of the spark plug and and I'm gonna just go right to ground, and then you would drop that cylinder out. And on a modern engine, when you drop this cylinder out, that the that the vehicle will actually jerk, whether it's a car or a truck. So the reason why I'm telling you that is that, and back 50 years ago, that wasn't the case. You wouldn't have this severe this severe jerk when that cylinder dropped out because it would be kind of masked through the converter, it would be masked through the three speed automatic transmission or if it was even if it was a four speed manual, it wasn't an overdrive. So the take home message here is on a road vehicle, gasoline, all right, so spark ignition. What do you if you're having this this jerking movement or well, you jerky action and let's say it may you may be fine going down the flat road now you start to climb a hill and it's in overdrive lock up with the converters locked up or you pull pulling the trailer and all of a sudden burp, that thing is jerking burp, like this and then you then what you do is you drop down a gear and it cures itself it is not it is because you are taking this you were minimizing the amount of energy that is required to arc the spark plug and it is not going someplace else so if you have a situation like that then that is an ignition problem 9 chances out of 10 all right and we'll discuss fuel it's an ignition problem and not a fuel problem or anything else and if you have that type of scenario is that it could be today it could be an ignition coil there's a lot of specifically with coil on plug there's a lot of coils that go bad It could be ignition coil, so it could be arcing internally in the coil and going to ground. It could be a spark plug wire or it could be the spark plug itself. The plug may have a crack in the porcelain. The plug may have a piece of carbon that's formed on it. The plug may have some oil coating on it. All right, the plug could have a lot of different things you could have had a lot of cold starts on the engine and if you had a lot of cold starts let's say you have a utv around the farm and you are it may, doesn't have a lockup converter and a five uh, eight speed automatic transmission but you have a lot of short trips and a lot of cold starts and you coated the spark plug and this coating from the unleaded fuel you will not see but it allow the the spark to to bypass jumping the central electrode to the side electrode and go right to ground usually down the porcelain insulator so that is very 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 common so the, the thing that you want to so let's start some diagnostics here so if you have that type of scenario and you're able to drop a gear and even in the man this could happen in a manual transmission also so you have it in fifth gear sixth gear whatever it is all right and you go into a hill and bulbs shuddering like that shuddering and it's only one cylinder so it's not gonna it's not gonna shudder continuously shuddering and then you drop down let's say let's say it's a six speed so you drop down from six to five or from six to four and it pulls the hill fine that is an ignition problem nine chances out of 10 that is an ignition problem Your UTV, the same thing. That is nine chances out of 10 ignition problem. It could be with the coil. It could be the windings in the coil. It could be a cracked coil. It could be a spark plug wire, or it could be the actual spark plug itself. So that is a secondary ignition problem. It's not a primary ignition problem. It's a secondary ignition problem because it's very, very cylinder pressure, load sensitive. And remember, the cylinder pressure It's going to demand the higher the cylinder pressure, the higher the ignition demand, more pressure on the coil. I'm saying pressure, more load on the coil to jump the gap of the spark plug. That's why when you're checking an ignition system, is that they have a spark plug tester. People go and check for spark, and I've discussed this on the show before. Then they pull a wire of, okay, crank it, okay, got spark well you have spark and you have spark if you pull a spark plug out and even ground it it's jumping the gap of that's jumping the gap all right under atmospheric pressure which is very which is much much easier than jumping it gap under cylinder pressure when the piston compresses that mixture and that fuel air mixture and it has to ignite so jumping the gap in atmosphere of 14.6 14.7 pounds all right versus 500 pounds or 300 pounds of cylinder pressure all right as the engine is running so big big difference so so that is so if you are running into that where you have it and a good indicator is drop a gear drop a gear, the problem goes away, the engine pulls fine, idles fine, drives fine, up until that load is that we wanna look at ignition. And it's the same thing, like I said, whether it's a UTV, whether it's an ATV, whether well, it's an irrigation pump, all right? It's dry in a lot of parts of the country, sadly. A lot of guys are still are running internal combustion engines, a lot of running spark ignition engines on irrigation pumps, on center pivots. So if you're starting to really put the load on this thing, in, it's going to pop,. bop, bop, All right? So you say, well, that doesn't have a four-speed overdrive automatic transmission lockup converter. No, but it's got to have a big pump on it that's pumping water. So the thing is that you may find so it's just something to, to to keep to keep that in mind. And that's whether it's a nineteen eighty-two or two thousand twenty-two. Even if you're running an older gasoline tractor, let's say you're running in the front of an auger, you're plowing snowwood, you're doing mowing around the farm, it's not gonna be as sensitive as a modern engine with a with a a multi speed. Automatic transmission and a lockup torque converter and a low numerical axle ratio. But the same thing will happen is that if you're putting that tractor under load, so let's say now that you're going and you're driving to the field and you're going to, I always bring up a chisel plow, right? Would, um, even though I don't plow, I'm no till, but I'm, I'm talking about that you're gonna, a reason why I bring up a piece of tillage tool, you got a disc arrow or a cultivator, something that's really going to work the engine and you drive into the field and that thing is running beautiful whatever your old john d or old ford whatever it may be and then you put the load on those so the thing that you want to keep in mind is that if you hear all cylinders then what happens is that we're going to get into that in a couple of minutes is that that's going to be something that's common to every cylinder versus if it's right then that's going to be common that's going to be isolated to one cylinder so keep that in mind now the next thing that i want to that i want to say to you is that if you do have a weak coil let's say we're bringing back that old farm tractor with the gas engine on it then what will happen is that you will have a a a, an event that's going to most likely impact all of the cylinders under that load condition. So, let's just—I was saying—you're pulling a piece of tillage equipment, and it's fine under no load. And you start to put in the load, and the thing is bucking and bucking and shucking and doing doing everything. And then you release the you take the load off of it, and it idles fine. Or you you drop it, then drop a gear, then and it's a little and it's it could be a hundred percent better, or it may be just a little bit better. That historically, that is ignition historically. But we're going to get into that in a couple of minutes because, but, but it could be fuel. But historically, when you when you change the load and the and the and the 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 partial combustion event disappears, then it's usually ignition system. All right. So now, the next thing that I want to get into is that. And let me just go back into this for a second. It, you should you should get used to because probably no one has an oscilloscope which is fine and i mean i don't have an ignition scope anymore we have an old scope it doesn't work or anything that's new but the thing is that you should get you should get into a habit or not a habit you should identify the specifications for the primary and secondary resistance of an ignition coil and they're in shop manuals all right so uh, if you have an engine with multiple coils that's almost like your shop manual because if you check them and let's say this one the primary resistance is is nine tenths of an ohm 8.85 8.87 3.7 then then you know by osmosis right that the moment 3.7 is is got a problem but it's but you have to start to look to use a a a ohm meter to check resistance of coils because there a lot of problems that are going to show up that way and it's going to save you a lot of guessing and keep in mind like i say again before i move on is that ignition demand is elastic it's just like blood pressure right all right you have one blood pressure and then something happens and your blood pressure goes up and uh you get stressed out and your blood pressure goes up and and you see something and then uh then your blood pressure goes down so ignition demand is the same way is that you could have a coil that very easily is going to run the engine at idle or a light load with no problem or or a spark plug or a wire that's going to be able to carry it but now you really put put it to the i'm saying put it to the wood doesn't have to be to the floor it's the cylinder pressure and now all of a sudden the electricity says i'm not jumping that gap of the spark plug now keep in mind also that ignition wires as they get old that they start to leak so you could have a wire that at a certain point and usually if it's not rubbed through if it's usually going to start to leak it's going to be nearer the heat source which is usually nearer the spark plug from the exhaust manifold and at a certain temperature it's going to start to leak through the spark plug wire to ground but you you lower that temperature and lower that pressure and it works beautifully so that's something that you want to keep in mind now another and i've used this term and even though it's incorrect is that people talk about a lean misfire now what is a lean misfire And here is before i thought that it's really not a misfire but we're going to go with the terminology that the industry uses and what a lean and when you have a cylinder that is too lean there is not enough fuel in the combustion chamber f- to propagate the flame so there's too much air and not enough fuel. The way I like to teach this is that, let's say, that you're, uh, you're trying to get across a muddy, um, uh, a, uh, a muddy cre- uh, not a, let's say a small creek, right? And there's rocks in the creek. So what you're going to do is you're going to try, your goal is to try to, to step from one rock to the other rock to the next rock so that you can get across the creek without standing in the water. Right? Makes sense. Now let's say you go you start to go across this creek and there's a rock here. There's a rock two feet apart. beautiful, two feet apart, beautiful, three feet apart, beautiful. The next rock is six feet apart. Six feet from the next one. Well, you're not gonna be able to stretch six feet and put your and, and so you either at that particular point, you're gonna have to try to jump, which if I were to do that. As well just call an ambulance, because I'm so uncoordinated, or you can have to walk in the water till you get to the next rock. So the rocks are too far apart for you to propagate to travel across that creek without you stepping in the water. Well, the same thing happens in the combustion chamber, is that you could have a two or if you have too lean a mixture. Then the way an engine is designed is that usually the spark plug is going to be located in the most hottest and the most turbulent and where it's going to see the air fuel ratio come in. So you could possibly have enough air fuel ratio to to ignite to ignite the mixture right there initially, but because the fuel molecules are too far apart from the air molecules, there's not enough mixture there. As the flame starts to travel away from the spark plugged towards the cylinder wall, it cannot jump, just like you cannot jump the six feet to get to the next rock. And instead of, you would get your feet wet and have to walk in the water. Inside an engine, the flame actually extinguishes. And the industry calls that a lean misfire but what basically happens is that the demand, and even though I said it's not really a misfire, but the demand on the spark plug starts to increase. And if you were to look at a secondary spark plug pattern, you would see that the that the uh, that the uh, the voltage starts to go up as the flame starts to starts to hit the leaner mixture. Then at one particular point what could happen is the voltage would go up high enough where the spark plug could no longer the coil could no longer support it and then that electricity needs to go someplace so it's going to jump to ground and that particular point it may have jumped to ground through the side electrode i mean through the center electrode and may go through the wire it may go through whatever All right, so it's going to jump the ground, or it can still jump the gap of the spark plug, but the the flame extinguishes itself. It doesn't propagate, so the spark plug is still arcing. Tick 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 tick. But what happens is the flame dies out because just like you stepping in the water, that the rocks are too far apart, the fuel molecules are too far apart. So the thing to keep in mind is that. If you have a very lean cylinder condition, that is condition going to be on all cylinders, it could be on one, only on one cylinder. If you have a very lean condition, it's going to have the propensity to stress the coil, stress the ignition system. So you could have two issues going on right there. You could have an ignition coil or ignition system that is truly having a misfire because the ignition demand is so high, because it's trying to jump the gap. The fuel molecules are too far apart from the air molecules. There's too much air, not enough fuel, not enough rocks to walk across the stream, all right? Or you could have a co- and then and the flame is dying out because of that but the end the end result is that you're having a partial combustion event you're only burning part of the fuel and you're not burning all of the fuel now historically then again when you have that type of condition what you will do is that you will not get that jerkiness as I said on the load that, that 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 situation is that the engine may shudder a little bit it may it's right run rough but you're not going to get that that very defined like hitting with a hammer bump boop. That, that jerkiness as you would with a lean condition as you would with a a ignition true ignition problem but like i said there's a crossover there so it all depends what's what you know what's happening with the fueling so now keep in mind is that a lean condition we'll call it a lean misfire we'll use the wrong term but that's the term that the industry uses so that means there's not enough fuel in the combustion chamber for the flame front to propagate and the flame extinguishes now but the operative word there operative words are plural right there's not enough that's not saying that there's no fuel there's not enough fuel because if you have no fuel coming into the cylinder, then there's no then you could then you could still jump the gap of the spark plug, all right? Have to jump it under the pressure of compression, but there's no there, but there's no combustion whatsoever. When you have a lean misfire, what will happen is you'll have partial combustion, so you'll burn the fuel that is readily available to ignite. And then the rest of it will go out the tailpipe as unburned fuel, which is an emission called hydrocarbons. So if you go over there, and a lot of people, you know, and the analogy that I make, excuse me, I didn't use my button, but the analogy that I make is that, you know, you could ride by a crop at 60 miles an hour, and you could, if, if it looks crappy from the highway at 60 miles an hour, then it's almost dead. All right, because most crops look pretty good at 60 miles an hour until you get into the field and start to look at it. So the thing basically is, is that what a lot of people do, and our proponent of this is they smell the exhaust. And because they smell hydrocarbons, which is unburned fuel because of a lean misfire, they put themselves down the wrong path. So that would be like me planting, excuse me, planting my crop without taking a soil test. Or going and wanted to do some some um, in season fertility or foliar filling, foliar feeding or a uh, or a side dress of something and not doing a tissue analysis because the tissue analysis obviously is going to show you what is getting into the plant. And when it's when it's combined with a with a soil test, a soil test and a tissue analysis, then you would be able to see, okay, we have it readily available in the soil. It's not getting into the plant. Then we know that it's getting tied up. We have too much of one thing and not enough of the other. So if we so the thing is that it needs to get into the plant. So the same thing is going to happen with the engine. So they go to the over to the exhaust and they say, Oh, the exhaust stinks on this, right? And they think that it is too rich because they're smelling their nose can the well, a trained nose can tell the difference to a to a certain extent between hydrocarbons, which is unburned fuel, and then carbon monoxide, which is partially burned fuel. All right, so now you may say, Well you said it's partial. No, 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 it's partial combustion there's a difference between partial combustion and partially burned fuel. When you have too rich a mixture, you are not burning all of the fuel that you're putting into the combustion chamber. So that's like you going to a buffet and putting a lot of food on your plate and not eating it all. It went onto your plate, your fork touched it, so that's partially burned. Whereas if you have hydrocarbons, you have unburned fuel, so what happens is that you have the food on your plate that did that you did not touch. So you say to waiter, "I'll oh, take this away. I didn't even touch it, right?" So the thing basically is, is, so you so there's a difference in the smell, but I mean whatever, unless you're really around it. The thing is that you not get to others, but don't think because the exhaust has a certain smell of fuel that. That you what you perceive as being rich usually it's the other way around it's lean so if you look so if you have your lawn tractor and you say boy this exhaust really stinks i guarantee you it's lean and not rich all right and then you go and say what the heck's going on here all right and, you, and you're chasing like billy biscotti i mean god knows if he's still alive but uh, if not god rest his soul but the thing is that he's 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 changing the coolant switch when it need to be a coolant sensor so that's so that is what a what the industry calls a lean misfire but it's actually a partial combustion event all right if you want to look at it technically there's not enough fuel in the combustion chamber to for it for the flame to propagate so now why is the engine lean and the engine if it's a carbureted engine it could be lean because the carburetor is set too lean or it has a a a massive vacuum leak or an older engine could have a a bad pcv valve that's creating a, a a manifold vacuum leak or you could have a lean condition on only one cylinder let's say you have an intake manifold gasket leaking and it's only lean on that one cylinder so that one cylinder would lean misfire because it's getting too much oxygen and not in or too much air i should say and not enough fuel in it but the others are all fine now on a port fuel injection system you could have the same thing happen you could have an injector that's not atomizing the fuel properly and you have to remember you have to atomize the fuel for it to burn and atomize means broken into small particles, but still in a liquid form. So if it's not atomizing the fuel properly, or it's, it's very carboned up and it's spraying over to one side, so instead of having a nice conical spray pattern, just like you would on a sprayer tip, right? So if you're going to put down some sort of product on the field, all right, whether it's a pre-emerge or whether it's a foliar, then you have different tip designs because you want to either have small droplets, large droplets, but unless you're doing a... a streaming something, you don't want it to be a stream, you want it to be a fan. It's just gonna be is it a fifty degree fan, a ninety degree fan, a thirty degree fan, what have you, but you want it to be fanned out. And the thing is that so the same thing happens if you have a dirty fuel injector, then what will happen is that it may be it's not fanning the it's not fanning the fuel. What it's doing is it's spraying to one side. So you're having so you're saying I'm fueling the cylinder, but it's acting like a a partial combustion event, that's right, because you're having a partial combustion event because you're not able to burn the rest of the fuel because it's in liquid form. So it's the same thing. So if you look at your sprayer on the farm, there's a lot of the same dynamics that work. All right, because you're taking a liquid and you're breaking it up and you're trying to and you're trying to move it through an orifice. On this on a on a farm sprayer it's the orifice in the tip. And on an engine, a diesel or gasoline engine that has injection, it's through an orifice that's in the nozzle or the injector, whatever you want to call it, all right? So, so keep that in mind. Now, also, and I'm a big to add nauseum. I've spoken to you guys about carbon deposits on the valves. Now, keep in mind is that when you have a lot of carbon deposits on the valves, which is called IVD intake valve deposits, and specifically on a port injected engine, but on a carbureted engine also, is that that carbon will act like a sponge, and that will wick in fuel so you could very conceivably and now we have to remember at low speeds their engine has very very low port velocity so it's not a lot of air going through the engine right. so what happens is that it's low and it's low and it's slow port velocity so now this carbon acts like a sponge and wicks in that fuel then and now the engine starts to induce a lean misfire because it doesn't have enough fuel, has some fuel, but doesn't have enough that flame to propagate. And then now uh, you get off idle, and you and you start to raise the 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 RPM up, and the port velocity is quicker. The air, the engine is pumping more air, and that condition. I'm not going to say it, it's a hundred percent cured, but it gets better. That's historically a on a on an injected engine that is historically a. Either car- that has carbon on the valve or carbon on the pintle of the injector. So the thing is, doesn't have a good spray pattern, or the valve carbon is wicking in the fuel. Then, as the velocity through the port goes higher, the air actually starts to evaporate it some of it off, and then the in cylinder air fuel ratio goes richer and may achieve a result where it is good enough, where it does not. It doesn't set, uh, uh, I shouldn't say set, where you have a, a good enough combustion event that you're not perceiving it, all right? So let's put, it, let's put it that way. So that's something else that you want to keep in mind, all right? So that's why I say it's very, very important because if you're saying to yourself it's misfiring, then by true definition, that's electrical, all right? But you could have a lean. Now, you could also have a condition where you have a mechanical problem in the cylinder. So let's say you have a broken ring, right a broken compression ring or you have a valve that's not seating properly or a valve that's not that that is starting to burn or is burnt then what you're doing is you have you're going to have a incomplete combustion event because it depending upon what the problem is you could be putting a lot of exhaust gas back into the cylinder which is inert and doesn't burn All right, or you could be losing the compression. So what have you is that so that you will have an incomplete combustion event. But we the the delay person calls it it's misfiring. Well, it's not really misfiring. It's an incomplete combustion event. And if it's not fuel, and if it's not, and if it's not electrical, then the problem is mechanical, and it's you and it's 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 mechanical. It's in the engine. All right, so that is. That is something that you want to keep in mind. Now, the other thing also is that the EGR valve, gasoline or diesel or exhaust gas recirculation will have a pro. To build carbon, especially on a later one, and especially on a diesel and some gas engines, right? Because they have a liquid-cooled one. And if you do a lot of short trips, a lot of cycles like that, you're not good with using the proper oil, a cheaper oil that doesn't have the additive package that the manufacturer wants. You're going to build a lot of carbon in that and sludge in that EGR passage. And if that EGR passage starts to get carbon up, and does not close then you are always introducing inert exhaust gas and the term inert means that it's not going to combust so in essence it's acting like leaning the mixture but it's not leaning it with 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 air which is oxygen and nitrogen it's leaning it with exhaust but the same thing happens because egr is a filler and and you are it's filling the cylinder with something to take place of combustible mixture so you could induce a lean type of misfire with this cylinder not being a fuel delivery issue you're delivering the right fuel but you are diluting it and the term the industry uses is egr dilution and that's on gasoline or diesel so now let's quickly go over to the diesel side a little bit now if it's a true if it's i shouldn't say a true diesel they're all true diesels right compression ignition but if it is a pump line nozzle type of diesel engine so an older mechanical diesel then the whole idea is that you need to have that fuel atomize and break apart and spray properly but also what you have to be concerned with the spray pattern and you also have to be concerned with the opening or what they call pop-off pressure of the nozzle. The whole assembly, all right, is is called the nozzle, all right, that's why it's called pump, line, nozzle. We lay people, we call it an injector, we use that term. All right, so the thing is that if you have a, if you have the, the, not the wrong, the pop-off pressure is wrong, all right, and if it's popping off too soon, then it's not going to atomize the fuel if the pop-off pressure needs to be higher, it may be popping off too late, and you're going to have almost an effect all right it's not going to it's a different dynamics because we're not inducing a spark to to try to light the mixture we're using heat to light the mixture of light the mixture to light the fuel to have the but it's still the same thing a flame is going to expand across the bore so you will you will have an a cylinder that will be down on power that it will it will have an incomplete combustion event so it's going to have not a clean exhaust, it's going to have a what I call, pardon my language, a farty exhaust. All right. And if it's only on one sound, then you're going to see it, then you're going to have it. All right, so the thing is that you have to start to learn to listen to the exhaust on engines. If you aren't already doing it, the exhaust on engine is going to really tell you a lot of what is going on so that's very very common you don't have to worry about ignition on it because there is no ignition but the thing is that now arguably let's say you have a valve that's not sealing well or you have a uh, or you have a, uh, a high leak down in the cylinder or something where you're not getting enough heat in that cylinder then you have to remember that you may very well have a partial Ignition event because you'll just have enough, possibly have enough heat to light it off, and maybe not enough heat to light it off. So it's a little bit of a different animal. But historically, with a diesel, it's a little bit easier as far as diagnosing is concerned a pump line nozzle system simply because there is no ignition to come into play. So if it's not running right, it's either going to be fuel delivery or it's going to be mechanical. And nine chances out of 10, it's probably going to be fuel delivery but if you go to a tier four type of diesel that's electronic then you still have those same dynamics but you have to be concerned with the response of that injector assembly the piece whether it's a whether it's a huey type of injector and it's got it's got oil pressure and it's gummed up so if it's gummed up inside from from oil changes remember a huey type of injector all right, can get dirty on two sides. It could get gummed up from the engine oil, so it's going to be slow mechanically to respond, and it could get carbon deposits and deposits from the fuel and from the combustion event on the pintle. So you could have the pintle perfectly clean, right? but you could have the oil side, the hydraulic side of the injector gummed up, and then it's going to be very lazy to respond, and then you're going to have, it's also going to act... It's going to have an incomplete combustion event, and you could usually tell by the exhaust. It's going to have a different sound of the exhaust, but that Huey type of injector, and it's it's hard. I mean, I'm not going to say that you could nail it every time, but you'll know that it sounds like an injector problem versus a uh, versus a mechano- mechanical problem. So as we get ready to close now, I did not get a chance i have a couple of good letters here that i want to include in the show and i apologize for not getting the opportunity to do that before i record it so the thing is that we want to identify that a true misfire on the spark ignition engine is that the electricity is the secondary voltage is not jumping the gap of the spark plug and it's going somewhere else where the somewhere else is for you to to know for you to find out not know the thing basically keep in mind that that ignition demand goes up with cylinder pressure and if you have a, if you're dropping a cylinder out ignition wise that the vehicle will jerk when that happens it'll jerk and specifically on a later application and like i said the past 35 or 40 years with an overdrive transmission and a lockup torque converter so or even if it's a manual transmission a six speed or seven speed manual drop a gear drop another gear maintain the road speed drop a gear and if that problem seems to go that problem goes away or masks itself almost completely then it is nine chances out of ten i mean you may get one time it's gonna bite you all right nine chances out of ten it's ignition and keep in mind that it could be the coil it could be the coil arcing internally all right it could be the coil breaking down or it could be the oil the coil that's cracked and it's going to ground is that electricity will always take the path of least resistance so you need to keep that in mind keep in mind that on a injected gasoline injected engine it's like having if it's six cylinders and Injected, It's like having six carburetors. Each one is going to have to deliver the right amount of fuel to that cylinder. There's not a homogenized approach of delivering a fuel from a central location. So keep that in mind. And uh, is that you will usually have an idle instability, rough idle, or maybe even like a shutter in the vehicle, but not that the, the, the definitive jerk that you would with a, with a spark plug dropping out. And then on a diesel engine, is that you have to consider if it's, a, if it's a mechanical diesel, and then historically you have to be concerned with the atomization of the fuel, and you wanna be concerned with also the pop-off pressure and whether the injector is leaking down internally in the cylinder, anything else than that. It's gonna be a mechanical problem. Right, and on a on a later type of diesel, you have to be concerned with the physical electrical dynamics of that opening injector, which is a lot akin to a. Um, a gasoline injector and if it's a huey type of injector you have to be concerned with it responding properly on the oil what i call the oil on the hydraulic side and then also the possible atomization or dripping of fuel because the pintle itself is dirty and then you also want to be concerned with egr because on both a gasoline or diesel engine if you introduce egr at idle it is going to mess up the combustion event more on a gasoline engine than it would be on a diesel but it's going to be off so it's going to act like a lean misfire then again it's the industry term it's really it's incomplete combustion but instead of bringing oxygen air in oxygen and nitrogen nitrogen right you're going to be bringing in inert exhaust gas which is not going to have enough fuel in the combustion chamber to let it burn and it's not going to want to burn so that flame will only propagate a short while and then it will expand i mean I expand it'll it'll extinguish itself and keep in mind like with a diesel there is flame propagation just like there is in a spark ignition engine if anybody tells you it's explosion it's not explosion it's flame propagation is that when that flame has got to expand across the board since it can't go hopefully lift the cylinder head off it pushes down against the piston that's what is the chemical to mechanical energy exchange process so listen i want to thank you all for tuning in today and i apologize for uh for not being uh maybe on the money or uh having that much enthusiasm in my voice today but i explained that in the beginning of the show and i want you to know that the hot rod farmer is pulling for you The American Farmer and Rancher and my beloved, beloved America. You have a blessed day. If you're planning, be safe. All right, and I'll catch you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening.